Tell us a little bit about what you saw and, and, and being able to relay that message to Cora when you watched Kimbrell pitch and, and kind of help out so he wasn't uh, tipping his pitches. So tipping pitches, we hear about it all the time. People at home understand what tipping pitches is all about. It's amazing. Man. And that's remarkable. Alex, there's going to be a lot of unwritten rules chat on this episode. But before I utter the name of the manager who sparked this week of unwritten rules, hashtag debate, I want to read a tweet to you from um, my favorite reliever that the Mets added in this past offseason, Trevor May. Uh, he said, let's just add more unwritten rules. And then he suggested a few underneath, as well as you know the, the hundreds of people replying in comments. They also suggested a few. But I want to turn it to you this week. If you had to add an unwritten rule into the game, what would you add? Do you want me to read a couple off to you for inspiration? Sure. Why not? Okay. We have here, um, Trevor May suggested, no bunting if the pitcher looks like a Shrek cosplayer. (laughs) Um, Making fun of himself, saying that he looks like a Shrek cosplayer. I suggested rock, paper, scissors instead of challenging bang, bang plays at the plate. Speed speed the game up. And also, it'll show more respect to the runner for how hard they hustled. It to would. try to beat the play out. Yeah. Trevor's teammate Marcus Stroman suggested no showing emotion towards your own bench because announcers will say you're trying to show the other team up. That's That kind of almost is an unwritten rule in some <laughs> know, regards. Like, <laughs> Stroman was like taking it a little too seriously. Uh, and then Kara Jeffrey suggested if you try and steal second but get caught, the two players have to kiss. That's a really good one. That is a really good one. Yeah. Now you're I gonna mean, to, I mean, you're going to have to try your best to top that. Okay, well, I, you, the the listeners won't know the the extremely long pause that I just took right there to think, or maybe they will if you not keep true. It I'm in listening. To, no, I'm keeping all that in. Okay, absolutely. Can we before I answer this? Can we kind of break down what an unwritten rule actually is? Because yeah. I feel like people's definitions are are very broad. Um, but in from from my perspective, in in baseball terms. It is almost like a like a code of conduct aspect, yeah. right? Yeah, like a a certain way of uh, self policing of your own behavior, right? In regards to something that happens at the game, is that kind of kind of your understanding? Yeah, definitely. It's like a thing that you understand that you're supposed to do, but it doesn't say anywhere that you have to do it. So you wouldn't be like called out because you didn't do it called out literally on the field like outer safe you might be called out by your manager in the press right afterwards apparently (laughs) your own manager but it's a thing that has developed over time as like a moray like a social moray of the game that you should follow right and and in baseball it largely tends to be actions you shouldn't do right that is that is the the crux of all of this is there are there are plenty of things that you are not allowed to do on a baseball field. So I I enjoy that some of the examples you listed off are are like actions that baseball players should incorporate into the the sport because we you know we did more of those quirks. Yeah, I agree. It is so it's so limiting, you know. Baseball is such mm-hmm. a punitive sport yeah. that the unwritten rules is just all stuff that you're not allowed to do. Right. What's an unwritten rule of society? that you have to do. I feel like one of them is like, hold the door open for someone as they're like walking right behind you. True. That's a, yeah, that's a good one. 
That's um, one that I get really stressed about. If someone is like 10 steps away, they're kind of like in that gray area, you know? Mm-hmm. They're in the no man's land. Right, you're like, I'm just going like, to hold this Do I hold there. it for you or do I pretend like I didn't see you, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then they don't speed up, you know? And I'm yeah. like, so like, can we both acknowledge we're in a bit of an awkward situation here? Help me out a little bit. Yeah. And then when you hold the door for them, do they just get to go ahead of you now? Like, if you're getting in line for something, like, they go ahead of you and you have to wait 10 <laughs> seconds? I don't know. Unwritten rules. They're very complicated. They're they're very complicated. This was a nice job vamping by you to, to not be able to answer the question. Right. I I appreciate that. Well, I wanted to set some set some ground rules a, a little bit. Um, We're practicing for when we do live radio because that 45 seconds of dead air would get us fined by the FCC, like right. $10,000. <laughs> <laughs> um. You know, all right, here's an unwritten rule. It's a hot take. Yeah, here we go. Here we go. Umpires can't throw the ball back to the mound. Oh. What are they doing? What is you think you're a baseball player now? You think oh, I yeah. came you think I came to the to see to the you throw the ball back? to see you throw the ball? Agreed. I'm sorry, are you the pitcher? This is we should have a relief pitcher standing behind home plate and throwing it back at the same speed that the pitcher is throwing it to the catcher. <laughs> yes, we absolutely should. You know, I th- I I can respect that they kind of want to be a part of it a little bit. And you want to show off the cannon sometimes, you know, you're back there, you know, I'm sure you've, you've, you've umped little league games before where you're behind there and you're like, okay, let me, let me show off the, the, the shoulder action a little bit. Nah, dude, it's all a wrist toss for me back. Mm. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to spike one. Right. <laughs> so you got like a, like maybe a, like a Cespedes under, underhand throw. Like you get the, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that umpire padding is very limiting. You know, you can't get the same overarm slot action. I was a real over-the-top thrower myself. Right, well, it's maybe more true. like three quarters. Yeah, yeah. I interesting as, as we were talking. What was about your this, arm I, slot in little league with your famous changeup? Probably got a lot of arm side run on that famous changeup, so it had to be low arm slot. It's actually pretty high arm slot, but it kind of changed, which is why I have perpetual shoulder issues and don't play baseball anymore. So yeah. um, that that's was, why you don't play baseball kind of, anymore. Yep, it was just the the old the old shoulder, the old mechanics broke down. <laughs> it's it's interesting there that there are there are unwritten rules that have been codified into the rule book. Like I'm thinking, for example, the the infield fly rule, right, was something that a lot of infielders would take advantage of, right? You have a pop up and you can let it fall to the ground and and take advantage of the of the rule as it exists and major league baseball said actually that unwritten rule that you're not allowed to do that that is now a, a written rule that you cannot cannot do that thing so then basically what you're saying is the next unwritten rule to get turned into an actual rule is going to be there's going to be a 10 run rule <laughs> or or good pitchers aren't allowed to pitch anymore because they'll throw a no hitter <laughs> right exactly mercy rule folks we gotta have a mercy rule in here i kind of agree uh, okay, we're going to actually break down what happened with the unwritten rule conflagration between Tony La Russa and Yermin Mercedes. We're going to talk about the Oakland Athletics again. First place in the AO West Oakland Athletics to you, listener. Uh, and then we'll do some voicemails and some 303 down. But before we do all of that, I am Bobby Wagner. I'm Alex Basley. And you are listening to Tipping Pitches. Alex, it's been covered wall to wall. The Tony Larissa thing has been covered wall to wall. But guess what? This is right in our wheelhouse. Just because 
other podcasts have already talked about this and other radio shows and other TV shows have already talked about this. Doesn't mean that we don't get to talk about it. The unwritten rules was that they should have waited for us to do a show. Right. And let us talk about it first. This is our beat. Come on. Um, if you've been living under a rock or not on Twitter, uh, there was a bit of a dust up between White Sox 79-year-old manager. I don't know how old he actually is. Hall of Famer Tony La Russa. And White Sox catcher Yermin Mercedes. Is he their catcher? Is he just their DH these days? I don't really know. Catcher slash DH Yermin Mercedes. Uh, I'll, I'll do the briefest uh, summation I can of this incident because, like I said, it's been talked about quite a bit at this point. Uh, White Sox were up 15-4. to four. The Twins had a position player, Williams Estadio, on the mound. And it was a 3-0 count. And he threw a 47-mile-per-hour something. I don't know what to ca- categorize this pitch as. I don't think it was a fastball, but I also don't think it was <laughs> a curveball. <laughs> it's just a batting practice pitch to a little leaguer. And Mercedes hit it out, dead center field. Afterwards, uh, LaRusso was mad that his player swung on 3-0 and allegedly he had the take sign and they were already winning by 11. These are unwritten rules that we have discussed on this podcast in the past. You're not supposed to swing 3-0. You're not supposed to especially when your team is up by this many runs, especially when there's a position player on the on the mound. It's all very hard to explain if you don't know these social mores that we were talking and joking about for the first couple minutes of this podcast. Here's what Larusa said afterwards. With that kind of a lead, that's just sportsmanship or respect for the game or respect for your opponent. He made a mistake. There will be a consequence that he's going to have to endure within our family. It won't happen again. And then the very next game, well, there was also some some quotes in the media from Rocco Baldelli, who is the manager of the Twins, and I guess some Twins players. Um, in the very next game, Tyler Duffy, Twins reliever, threw at Yermin Mercedes, or threw behind him, didn't actually hit him, but I believe he was ejected, and then he was uh, subsequently suspended for three games, and Twins manager Baldelli was suspended for two games for, you know, in theory, ass- assuming that Baldelli instructed his reliever to throw at Mercedes. And then when Tony LaRusso was asked about that, he said that he didn't have a problem with it. So those are the facts of this situation. Uh, Alex, I, I turn it to you. Do you think of yourself more of a Tony LaRusso or a Yermin Mercedes in this situation? Or are you more the Tyler Duffy no. just executing orders? No, I'm the Astadio on the mound getting <laughs> fucking my shit rocked with the 46 mile per hour change off. Great call. Great yeah. call. I what is it like what is there to say on this at this point? First of all, I want to say Tony LaRusso holds more time with the press than like fucking any I I feel like I would wake up and see that he'd held a press conference and then at noon he would be holding another one and then he would have one before the game and after the game and just like are, this man gets too much airtime. He's not playing the game. I don't care. And he, and, uh, you know, there, there are plenty of offshoots to this story, right? And ways that White Sox players reacted to their manager reacting like this. And there were a not insignificant number of them who were kind of like, yeah, that's corny. But like, you know, he's, it's two sides of the same coin. We're all in the same family. He's the, he's the dad where the kids, he keeps us in line, et cetera. Uh, Lance Lynn noted his, his, distaste for the the unwritten rules take um and larusa responded well that's why he's got a locker 
and uh, and I have an office, which. <laughs> wow. I don't even know. That's you kind of a bar, there, Tony. That's kind of a bar, though. You have to give him some respect. I mean, the, the theme of what he's saying is <laughs> unbelievably wrong. An insane thing to say to your to a player who you're trying to have, in theory, a symbiotic relationship in the clubhouse. But Lance has a locker. I have an office. That's pretty quick-witted for a guy that's been around this long. Yeah, true. I mean, the guy in the office hit 199 in the big leagues. Oh, my so God. Get his ass. Let's come on. That Tony. was back when people actually got hits. <laughs> true. Um, no, I, I, I'm glad that you brought up Lynn, uh, because he did express his distaste for unwritten rules, but like not without nuance, you know, like he said, when he came into the game, he kind of was one of these guys and you could see how he would be one of these guys. Um, but a very important element to what Lynn said was like, the more I play this game, the more the rules have gone away. And he has made peace with that. In fact, he seems happy with it. He seems to support your and Mercedes, much like his teammates, you know, Tim Anderson and a couple other guys also supported his action here, swinging through go, hitting a home run. Um, and that is the part of this that is so frustrating because you watch it unfold and you watch Lance Lynn and he can evolve. But the guy that they've chose to put in charge of the team can't. And so it just draws a starker contrast in that LaRusa is the guy who's gotten this opportunity to helm this team that is the best team in the American League right now. And he's just like, fundamentally opposed to evolving along with the game that is happening right before our eyes. And that's unfortunate because that's a mission statement from the White Sox organization. That's a mission statement from Jerry Reinsdorf that this is the guy that's in charge. This is the guy who gets the office and then gets to go out in the press and say that he's the guy who has the office afterwards. Jerry Reinsdorf, no stranger to putting a dude in the office who everyone on the team absolutely fucking hates. Yeah. Just want to put that out there. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, it's like kind of his thing yes exactly kind of like in the first paragraph of his obituary <laughs> once you get past the first lines where he's like he ripped off all of the you know like he he ripped off the people the good people of chicago to the tune of billions of dollars you think that's, like that's those are gonna be the first lines of his obituary well, it depends what publication you're reading <laughs> true <laughs> um i a, an interesting corollary to this is is also um that rangers manager Chris Woodward wanted to wanted to get in on this action. Chris Woodward famously was at the at the center of this a similar controversy involving uh, Fernando Tatis Junior. last year. Fernando, yes, senior wasn't hitting dingers in twenty twenty. No, absolutely. <laughs> uh, Tatis famously swung 3-0, hit a grand slam last year against the the Texas Rangers, and Woodward was not pleased about this. This year, he came out and said. You know, look, I've been around a long time. I'm not in their clubhouse, so I can't I can't obviously comment on that. But there are a lot of rules that have come out of this game over the over the last hundred years that, you know, I have that gets passed down from generation to generation. I've passed some of them down myself. And frankly, I think some of them are actually pretty silly. Um and he goes on to say, look, honestly, I've if you have a bat in your hand, you're standing in the batter's box. You know, I've completely changed my opinion on it. I never swung at a 3-0 pitch because it was never allowed. Now I look back and I'm like, that was silly. It's the best pitch in baseball to hit. <laughs> and he's right. Yeah. Right? Like what? Yeah. When it whenever do you tell your player to go out and not compete? 
it is the antithesis to everything that athletes are taught to do from the time they pick up a baseball, pick up a basketball, right? It's have that competitor mentality. Not to mention, it's not, it's not among the, the hardest things to do in the sport, but like hitting a baseball off a 47 mile per hour pitch isn't easy. No, and it ignores the fact that they've already made a joke out of the game by putting in a position player who's throwing 47 miles per hour. Like, LaRusso doesn't want to talk about that. How is that not offensive to the game? You throw up someone who's throwing at meatballs, they're going to hit them. This is not your rec league softball game. If you got mad at this, Alex, if, I, if you and I played on a softball team together and we were down 15 to nothing to a team that was significantly better than us, which is a very possible scenario in this world. And we had someone up there on 3-0 throwing meatballs, and we just wanted to go home. And they had already proven their point about they were going to win this game. And I threw just to get me over something on 3-0, and they hit it out of the park. And they were celebrating while rounding the field. I might be a little annoyed. I might say that. I might be a little annoyed because it's like, we're not professionals. We're not out here doing this as our job. We're supposed to be having fun and it doesn't really matter if you win 16 nothing or 15 nothing but in this scenario guess what it does matter we wouldn't be tipping pitches if we didn't bring up the fact that your mean mercedes is going to be in arbitration at some point in the next three years and this home run is one more home run on his home run total that will make him actual tens of thousands of dollars in arbitration that is how it works so for tony la Russa to get up there and just being like he just should have been a man about it and he just should have stood up there and took that 47 mile an hour fastball it's like, get, just just stop. I'm not going to do an expletive-laden rant like CeCe Sabathia did because he did it already and it's going to be more powerful than, than what you or I could do. But it's just annoying that we're like here again and we're doing the discourse again. And this is where I wanted to bring up, there was also some discourse about a Manny Machado slide in like the last week or two since we recorded last um, where he was caught between first and second on a double play opportunity and the second baseman was coming over to try to tag him and he slid to try to avoid the tag or to make the throw harder after the tag, one or the other. And people immediately were like, that's dirty. He tried to do a takeout slide on a guy halfway between first and second. And then many other people who have played high levels of baseball are like, this is how we're taught to do it. This is what every player knows that they're supposed to be taught to do uh, to avoid the tag or to make the throw harder and to force the guy to step out of the way and then tag you. And the discourse cycles are happening so fast. And I feel the same way about the Tony La Russa thing that we're like devoid of the actual reality from what happened on the field. Like he hit a home run. It ended. It didn't matter. Machado slid. The guy stepped out of the way. He tagged him. No one was hurt. No one broke a leg. It didn't matter. But then everybody gets their takes out. And everybody has this like preconceived opinion about how they're supposed to feel about a certain thing that like we're not even talking about baseball anymore. And it, it just becomes more and more frustrating the more and more times that it happens. And it's going to keep happening more and more times when we keep people like Tony La Russa in the game. The worst part about this, maybe not the worst part, but the part that irks me the most is that La Russa is also bad at every other aspect of his job. If he was a generally good manager, if he was... God, I don't know. I, you know, a Bruce Bochy type or, or maybe a Joe, a Joe Madden type, right? You might see 
more people coming wow, to his Alex defense. Alex coming out as pro Joe Madden. You hate <laughs> Look, to see I'm it. just ta- I'm talking about public perception here. Wow, right? Tony Larusa makes like a boneheaded managerial move, like on a weekly basis right now. The, his team is winning in spite of him, not because of him, right? Don't tell that to White Sox fans who like him for some weird reason. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But there are also plenty who don't, right? And, and you know, credit to them. Because it it sucks to have a guy uh, there who is ostensibly representing your team who just is not in, in tune. And, you know, I guess I don't blame LaRusa to a certain extent. I do, but he's also been out of the game for a decade. He has no place here, Right. He he walked into a clubhouse that is radically different from where it was at even 10 years ago. So the, the fact that his opinions on the game haven't changed, I suppose, is not his fault. But, you know, he's got to be the sacrificial lamb in a sense, right? Of being like, get these guys the fuck out of here. <laughs> but he was already gone. He came out know, of retirement know, to come back and do this. Yeah. That's the craziest part. And that's all on Reinsdorf, honestly. I mean, we're just pressing the blame it on the owners button as we frequently do, but it it wasn't Literally, like I mean the, that's it wasn't like Rick Hahn, the White Sox GM, wanted this guy. No. He clearly was foisted upon him. So yes. yeah, this was a this was a makeup move by Reinsdorf, right? Feeling feeling that sorry in the 80s. that he that he got rid of Larusa decades ago. Christ, man. Are we contributing to the discourse cycle? We absolutely are contributing to this short cycle. You know what unwritten rule Put I want to bring on a back? T-shirt. Tipping pitches, <laughs> contributing to the discourse cycle. Yikes. Unfortunately, against our will. Uh, handshakes with That's the other not team. not sure we chose this. <laughs> handshakes with the other team after the game. When did that stop, you know? Oh, you want to bring that back. I want to bring that shit back. Come on. We're all like playing on, a game. Like in Little League when you line up on the first and exactly. third baselines. Good, 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 good game, good game, good game, good game, good game. Not you, good game, good game. Not you. Yes. <laughs> Wow, such a sense memory that you just brought back right there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, we used to do it a little more um, PG-13 or R-rated than not you yeah, of course, back in of the course. day. Yeah. But we won't say that because our parents didn't think of it that way. They just thought we were doing sportsmanship. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. All I'm saying, if you want to show some respect for the other team, handshakes after the game. Why good are you game, congratulating game, yourself? Spit at your feet. Good game, good game, yeah, good game. Exactly. Fuck you. Good game, good yeah, game, the, good game. The, the hand that goes over the, the fist bump, right? Yeah, slide like, underneath nope, it. Ooh, yeah, ooh, ooh. ooh. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, yeah. let's talk about the Oakland Athletics. Um, all right, 20 we're minutes talking on... about how good they are? 20 minutes on Mark Hanna, Alex. Go. <laughs> Mark Hanna, leadoff hitter for the Oakland A's? Fucking sure. Why not? It's 2021. Just an assembly line of just guys. Just... Yep. There's a, there's a guy, just guy after guy every every year, man. Chris Bassett, all right, sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I man. saw them. I saw them yesterday. They're they're good. They're a good baseball team. But that's not why we're talking about them in the first half of the podcast. Oh, you had me excited there for a second. A's and Mets both in first. Everything coming up, tipping pitches. <laughs> um, as the Mets are losing five nothing in this game against the Marlins. Uh, no, I, I wanted to talk a, a little bit about, you know, we recorded early last week, so it's been about 10 days since we had a podcast, and a couple days after we recorded and focused mostly on the A's stadium relocation, maybe moving to Las Vegas stories that were breaking early last week, um, or early two weeks ago, I guess, at this point, um, the Oakland City Council released a, a letter that they wrote to Rob Manfred and then was released through the press, I guess, 
Um, basically insinuating that there was a lot of spin on what was going on from the MLB and Oakland Athletics side. Um, the, the biggest things within that letter, I think, that we should point out are that the A's are making it seem like they gave the city council all of this opportunity co- to consider these different proposals, but the city council is claiming that it's very uncommon that they would vote this early on a proposal, not a finalized construction plan. The A's have been shifting deadlines. Um, they've been ignoring communications from the city council, asking questions and follow-ups on some of these proposals. And all in all, the thesis of this letter, which I cut out and, and pasted onto Twitter, they said, we hope you will understand that the shifting demands on what Oakland must do, combined with your public threat to allow the team to leave, might leave the impression that there has never been any good faith intent on your part to work on a future ballpark in Oakland. So I wanted to talk about this and not, we don't need to spend as much time as we did in our previous episode because I think our feelings have not changed on this. I did want to add this as a piece of evidence to the way that MLB and the A's are sort of approaching these looming deadlines. Like they're, it's like when you're in a group project and you have to do the first half of the group project and you procrastinate until the day before the assignment is due and then you pass it on to the people who need to do the rest of the work and then they can't get it done and then it gets blamed on those people because your work is in there. But they, the other people didn't have enough time to do their half of the work. That seems like what's going on here. Yeah, and the fact that more and more, really over the last two weeks, this has become more and more litigated in public suggests to me that they are nowhere close to actually coming to a resolution on this, right? There are, as you mentioned, there was this letter from the city council to Manfred, Manfred that was that was made public. There, you know, the the, the city council president has given an interview, you know, Dave Cavill, the the A's president has given an interview. Um, I wish they would talk to each other instead of the press, you know, I, if we're talking about them, that service, they can come here. We could be the mediator, you know, unfortunately the microphones will be on, but you know, they'll be in the same zoom. Some, some crossfire action, uh, like CNN, like, yeah, like CNN. Who's am I? Who's the Tucker Carlson here? You? Probably. I need to find a bow tie. No, you do a better Shapiro. We got to find someone else to be Tucker Carlson. Yeah, that's true. I know. Your Shapiro I... is legendary. Can you do the rest <laughs> of the segment in the Shapiro voice? No, absolutely not. Um, <laughs> the listeners are crying at home. They absolutely are. There just seems to be so much that is that is up in the air with this right now, right? And and the A's are digging their heels in on the Coliseum site not being viable. This is something that the city council has pushed back on because that is, I mean, that is just a, a parking lot, a massive parking lot, just concrete for days sitting in the middle of Oakland, right? That is at this point in time, not going to be used for anything else, right? And so they're asking the obvious question, why can't you just build there? And uh, the A's... Need I remind people, it's already a baseball stadium. So all of the surrounding things that need need to happen for a baseball stadium to be there are already there because there's already a baseball stadium there. There's obviously, there would need to be improvements, right? And like, there's always a better way of 
building up an area around a baseball stadium in a more sustainable way. And there could probably be better public transportation access to every baseball stadium in America for the most part. But that stuff already exists. The bare bones are already there. Right. And I, you know, it's not what the A's are looking for. I get that, right? They want the the beautiful downtown urban ballpark, the the complement to Oracle Park across the bay where the Giants play. That's what they're going for. Oh, I thought, and, you, were, I thought you were talking about the Chase Arena where the Warriors play. God, please. We don't speak of them on this podcast. <laughs> um, I, in this, in they this just piece love from Oakland, the, dude. They just love it. They just, they just, they're big Oakland fans. Yeah. Huge fans. I love big it so much that I had to remove myself from it because I, I loved it too much. It was right, just ruining exactly. my Breaking life. Breaking up my, with my ex and then posting throwback Thursday photos of them every week. Um, Cavill was asked about the the current Coliseum site in in an interview that he gave with the San Francisco Chronicle, and he said, and when asked why it wasn't viable, his rationale mostly amounted to, well, the two teams have already left the site, so that shows that from a market perspective, it's not viable for 21st century sports. No one tried. Yeah. <laughs> no one gave it a shot. Nope. No one was interested in it. I are you are you citing that the Raiders and the Warriors acted in good faith to try and stay in Oakland to try and make that site work? Well, also maybe if they had a better plan, those teams wouldn't have left. Like if the plan was to build a better stadium there, that was more reasonable. I mean, I don't think that it's ever really a good idea to have a football and a baseball team share a stadium, honestly. No. So the Raiders leaving would have just solved that problem. And now the A's could have just focused on making a stadium that's a baseball stadium that everybody could mm-hmm. stop whining about the fact that it looks like a football stadium all the time. Right. Which isn't even the point of all of this anyway. Like the the reason that the A's don't want to build it there is because they don't think that they can make enough luxury condos around it there that people will yeah. want to move into. Um, and you're obviously more familiar with like why locationally that would be the case for where mm-hmm. the Oakland Alameda Coliseum is right now. But you can see the appeal of wanting to put something on the waterfront. And then if you don't get what you want, just being like, okay, well, we have a more sustainable compromise or we have a more viable compromise in Las Vegas where like there's all of this flush cash looking to attract teams to. But another element of this is like from Major League Baseball's perspective, if they actually move the A's, and this has sort of been the reason that no one has trusted that they're going to take the A's away from Oakland for a while. If you actually move the A's out of Oakland to Las Vegas, you lose the looming threat of moving a team out of X city to Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. So then when you want to add an expansion team, it can't be in Oakland and it can't be in Las Vegas because Las Vegas can't have two baseball teams. That's absurd. Only three cities have two baseball teams in New York, LA and Chicago. And those are the three biggest cities in the United States. So and then I guess the Bay Area kind of has two teams as well, but right. they're in separate cities and you know they are clearly trying to appeal to different fan bases as we've talked about on this podcast before. Just a bit. So you put, uh, you move the A's to Las Vegas and then your expansion cities get limited down to like Portland and Nashville. I don't know. Yeah, you do lose some leverage there, right? And that's MLB's big thing is wanting to have leverage over cities, right? in order to squeeze out the best deal possible. And it's 
it's not working out too great for the A's in Major League Baseball right now because, honestly, there are not a lot of people in the city council in Oakland politics that Give are interested in a, in a giveaway to the A's, right? Yeah. They and, – and as, like, an Oakland A's fan who also has a, a lefty baseball podcast, it's a very weird position for me to be in because you're the guy I'm an, right now. I'm you're, an A's you're fan. You're the guy with the takes. Well – I am an A's fan who, like, obviously wants the A's to stay in Oakland, but I also generally think that ballpark deals are never really a good deal for cities, and so it's, like, rock hard place. Um, there's probably a right way to do this, and the A's aren't interested in exploring that option. So I, the the city council's res- resistance to this makes sense. We're not going to drill down into all of the tax financing and, like, who's paying for this shit and over how long and where the friction is just, I don't know, hop into my Twitter replies and see what I've <laughs> been arguing with A's fans about. Yeah. But, but they're like, they're trying to do like a negotiation, like a hardcore hostage negotiation and they've made it this way. But Oakland has like already shot the city in the foot, you know? And now the city is like, okay, why would we believe you? You already shot us by saying you're not going to build at the Oakland Coliseum and you're not going to kick all of the money in for the infrastructure that needs to be built at Howard Terminal. So, like, you've already stated your best deal and it doesn't work for us. So, what now? And I guess that this is part of deal-making or whatever, but it raises this, like, interesting friction point between private companies negotiating with public city councils where, like, it's not just a it's not just a deal making thing. Like this isn't like succession and they're sitting down in a room and hammering it out over a conference table. Like this is a city with taxpayers and elected representatives who have I mean this word means nothing anymore but who have a duty to the people who elected them to <laughs> represent them in ostensibly. And so like you can't do your your flex MBA negotiation moves on them because like there is a bureaucratic process that they have to legally follow. It's not just like big business where you can just be like guy in a room making deals. Also, like it's not like, again, sports teams haven't left a bad taste in Oakland's mouth before, right? Two having departed already. The city's still paying off the the Coliseum that the Raiders basically asked taxpayers to pay for, right? They don't even live there anymore. And they're, you know, the A's are still paying for it. Or sorry, the city is still paying for it. So like, sorry if the city council's a little wary. Yeah. I just don't know where this goes from here. I'm nervous about it. It goes to Las Vegas is where it goes. I'm pretty sure we had that exact exchange on the last podcast. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Let's, uh, should we do some voicemails before we go to break? Let's hit those voicemails. Okay. Let's hit some voicemails. Hey guys, um, this is my second time calling. The first time I just called to tell you about how great you are, pretty much. Uh, and I'm sure you guys enjoyed that. Uh, it was cool to hear myself on the podcast. This time I actually have an actual question for you guys. Um, and, uh, so I was watching Shohei Otani, of course. And, uh, while he, uh, is on a team that I, don't love uh, because I am a Dodgers fan. I love him more than any player 
in baseball. He's my favorite player. And I was just thinking you guys might want to get the, the bleak machine ready here. How much better my life would be if Shohei Otani was on the Dodgers instead of Trevor Bauer. Um, and I was wondering, uh, if there was any player around the league that could be on your favorite team that would make you automatically stop rooting for your favorite team whenever they were playing. Because that's how I feel when redacted pitches. I stop rooting for the Dodgers because I don't want him to succeed. So if there's any other players that come to mind, if they were on your favorite team, Bobby, I know you're a Mets fan, so Brandon Nimmo might be a candidate. But if there's any other players for you guys uh, that qualifies there, I would love to hear it. When we first got this call, I thought that they were going to ask who is a player that I'd like to steal from another team. And I had a lot of answers for that. And then when it flipped the other direction, uh, I had fewer answers. Yeah. There are, I mean, there are a but ton of guys. But it's also a more who, interesting question. Yeah, there are a ton of guys. It's a lot who easier I not, to say, I want, I want Trout Otani. Yeah, I would not want to root for many guys, a, a number of guys. Uh, I will say that. I don't, I don't know if Brandon Nimmo raises to that level. I don't think he does. He's just like run-of-the-mill, super religious right-wing guy, which if you don't root for those guys when they're on your team, you're really not rooting for that many guys in Major League Baseball. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, begrudgingly still still root for Nimmo uh, until further notice, until he does something uh, worse than that. I don't know, Alex, do you have an answer for this? It's a good one. Good one. And, and he is kind of like the guy right now, right? The the iconoclast of baseball, uh, the, you know, at the center of the cultural zeitgeist. He is the, the, uh, you know, on, on the, on the cutting edge of where baseball is trying to go. And so he is kind of the, I mean, certainly the, the most like actively toxic player in baseball. You yeah. know, I don't think there are many other players that rise to his level in large part because a lot of baseball players, are relatively private and keep them keep to themselves aren't necessarily incredibly active on social media. And as a result, any of their pernicious views are largely, you know, kept uh, in private. I guess in that vein, I would choose a Rawls Chapman. Like if the Mets traded for for a Rawls Chapman and we already had to go through that for Cubs fans already had to go through that. But the Mets have yeah. Jerry's Familia. Is it this? And, and the A's did too at one point. So like, that's it's, that's tough. It starts to unravel very quickly when you start to think about it that way. And that is like an existential dread that we've been facing on this podcast for a while. Yeah, I mean, I think that is that is kind of the answer, right? Is those players who have like actively done real harm to to people. Like outside of the baseball world, not not because they threw at a hitter or because they're flashy on the field, but the guys who <laughs> have committed crimes. I don't. I, what what if know, I just I, instead chose to take this as someone who I just think is just too boring to root for? Like, what if I was just like, I refuse to root for Joe Panic. <laughs> Which isn't even true, because you absolutely would root for him. I know, I'd root so hard for him. He seems like such a nice guy. Yeah. (laughs) 
Okay, well, I'm sorry if that wasn't that satisfactory of an answer, but that's what I got. We both chose a role as Chapman. Sorry for being uh, very basic there. Hey, uh, Alex, Bobby. Uh, I just wanted to call in, you know, uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. I was listening to one of your most recent podcasts and was kind of flabbergasted that you didn't call out Jim Crane on his blatant uh, real estate grab for the Astros minor league housing situation. I mean, you're talking about company towns. You've got this guy that's just uh, housing these kids instead of paying them a fair wage and giving them the income that is needed for uh, providing their own housing and furniture. Like, oh, man, you know what would be great is uh, if you guys could just uh, move into these furnished apartments that we own and then can rent out when you're not here and we'll just keep on raking in money off of that. Just pay, just pay the dudes, <laughs> right? All right, I'll take my answer off the air. I do think that we maybe weren't strong enough in, you know, shouting down Jim Crane when we talked about this issue, but we did want to focus on like the actual minor leaguers last week. I'm pretty sure we said just pay the dudes. Like I, I, I know us. I think we probably said something to that effect. Yes, we did. But it's but he raises uh, our our listener who's who's who shall go unnamed because he didn't say his name raises a good point in that I am I am very interested to see kind of what the mechanics of this are. And I think I said yeah. this when we talked about this originally, and since then we haven't really had any deta- further details come out about this. But is this going to be the kind of thing where? You know, Jim Crane basically rents out a block of hotel rooms. Is it going to be? That would be weird. He actually like buys a, a condo and puts the minor league. You know, a condo in each city that there's a minor yeah. league team, like, like real world. Right, exactly. Real world minor league. Do they try to exploit it for like video content? Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. It it does really depend on the mechanics of it. Um, you can call it a blatant real estate grab like this caller does, but like not giving housing to minor leaguers doesn't preclude Jim Crane from doing blatant real estate grabs, right? This just would give him weirdly more cover, but it would also give minor leaguers housing. So you know, you follow what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I mean, this is a nice, like two birds with one stone situation for yeah. Crane, right? Like I, and, and again, this is, this is kind of speculation because it's very possible that, Crane is just, you know, doing this out of the goodness of his heart. Yeah. Good guy, Jim. I think it I think that could be the case. Um, but yes, you're right. This gives him cover to say, look at what I'm doing for these these players. Who cares if I'm skimming a buck off the top? Yeah, I think that is the biggest reprehensible, the most reprehensible part of this is that if they if owners are then going to use this as collateral against having to give minor leaguers more fair wages then then this is a bad thing but for the immediate 
things are so bad that I do think that this is ultimately a good thing for the guys in the Houston organization. And I feel affirmed in that by talking to, you know, people at more than baseball or seeing what advocates for minor leaguers have said, and they're championing things like this. So you know that it was, this is a, something that they had been advocating for because of that. And it doesn't solve every problem, but it does kind of solve one problem or at least aim to solve one problem. Yeah. And frankly, I, I, 2021 that's pretty much all we can ask for um okay i think that just two voicemails today uh we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back we'll do three or three down so when you're gonna tell her and we did that too she thinks it's special but it's all we use that was the show we talked about played you the song she's singing now when she's three down what do you say what do you say we start with up with this week you want to start with up yeah let's do let's do up this week my my i don't know about yours my downs are not like imminently like existential downs no so mine I feel are okay light, ending on they're them. light too wow we're really okay. simpatico today and every yeah, other day is, can i go first this is great I please, go first. please 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 kick us off okay uh my first up this week is over the last few weeks i gotta say i'm kind of emotional alex mm-hmm about yeah. all of the people tweeting pictures of themselves wearing our shirts God and just it, being this like is my first up too. Are you serious? Yep. Wow. Come on. More simpatico than I easy. thought. It's it's so sweet to see everybody wearing their stuff and being excited about the shirts. Um because like I'm excited about the shirts. You did a killer job designing them. I was pumped to wear my shirt to a real life baseball game yesterday take a picture of myself next to a mural of Shohei Otani. And it's just like, the more and more people share pictures of themselves, I just get more and more excited each time. I'm like, hell yeah. Let's unionize the Myers, you know? Don't steal wages. Steal bases. <laughs> um, and I did say, I did promise people that if they tweeted a picture at us or emailed a picture of, a, uh, of themselves at a game to us, that I would shout them out on the podcast wearing the shirt. So, I actually am going to start off not with a, uh, someone at a baseball game, but with our friend Ricky, who's wearing his shirt in the first picture of holding his newborn baby. Incredible stuff. The bar is so high. No one can top this, right? I don't, I don't think so. I just, I just want to ask, was that, your, was, that, was that your wife taking the photo? It does look that way. It does <laughs> appear that, your, that way. Your wife who just gave birth? <laughs> I hope that she was like, yes, I would love to do this. Yeah. <laughs> not like are you serious I, I have to take a picture of you right now um, congratulations uh, on your beautiful baby and it's very cool that you wore our shirt in that memory that has been created forever uh, thanks to Ricky thank you to Stephanie who wore our Unionize the Miners Dodgers shirt to her six year old's baseball practice that counts as a baseball game in my book mm-hmm. thank you to Travis wearing his shirt to a Wichita wind surge game minor league baseball we love to see it Thanks to John and Megan. They were the first people. I think I might have already shouted them out on an episode because this happened a couple weeks ago. But thanks again to them for being the first. Thanks to Isaac wearing his shirt at a uh, at a Montgomery Biscuits game. A great minor league baseball team name. Looking Sick. like a great minor league, a great day in this photo to see a minor league game. Clear skies, sunny, golden hour. Great job, Isaac. Thank you to Anders wearing his unionized minor shirt at a Cubs game. 
Thank you to Robbie wearing his Steel Bases Not Wages shirt at a Reds game. Thank you, last but not least, Victoria and Kyle. Our good friends, Victoria and Kyle. Good friends of the pod. Wearing, our, wearing the Unionize the Miner shirt at what, what appears to be a, a Pirates game? Is that a Pirates game? Victoria and Kyle, uh, are you in Pittsburgh well, right they're, now? They're, they're at a Braves game. Oh. They're in Atlanta right now. Oh, okay. So, you know, a little, little full capacity ballpark action. We love it. Georgia doing things, how things are meant to be done down there. It just, it really has made me emotional. Thanks to everybody who has bought a shirt. And if you haven't sent a picture of us, if you haven't sent a picture of you wearing it to us, that's totally okay too. My my deep thank you to those folks as well. Uh, if you want to get your own shirt, tiny.cc backslash nationalize. Profits from our unionized and minor shirts go to more than baseball. So Alex, that knocks out two ups, two and one. I feel like that I've been talking easy. a lot for the last five minutes, though. Can you do? Can you do your next up? Uh, sure. Yes. Um, I want to. Uh, I want to talk about our good friend, Cincinnati Reds slugger. Not, not, not Rob Manfred, but he is. He is a character in this story. Oh, I know where you're going. Nick Castellanos. Every day is opening day. Every day is opening day. Our our good philosophical friend. Uh, gave a gave a bit of an interesting post game interview this past week. Uh, actually, he I'll rephrase that he was not the one to give the interview. He handed it off to a fan. Uh, because because during the game, prior to to uh, taking his at bat, he um I, I guess a fan called him over. They they chatted for a, for a second Castellanos gave gave the fan a fist bump and then uh and then went up to the plate and promptly hit a home run and so Castellanos after the game handed the headset over to to said fan because the broadcasters were like hey we want to we want to know what you you know what did you say what did you say to motivate him and uh, and Bobby can you just can you play the clip right here please yeah. can you roll that tape now what led up to the fist bump so uh, I told Nick when he got up there that he should imagine that uh, Rob Manfred's face was on the baseball. And the next pitch, he lit it up over the fence, baby. All righty. <coughs> End it right there. Whatever motivation it takes, right? Just a real risk to hand the headset over to a fan. You don't know what the fan is going to say. And you don't, but but very clearly, Nick Castellanos did not care. I mean, he kind of had to know what he was going to say. High right? risk, high he, reward. He he knew what the question was, and Casti, you you can't see this because because again, this is an audio format uh, piece of content. But we will post the the link to the video in the description. Should we just stop as, doing this and do a TV show instead? <laughs> yes, we should, or like a vlog or something. No, TikTok. No, Castellanos is you're big just, on TikTok though staring <laughs> listeners of the pod you guys don't know this but alex is low-key legendary and lefty tiktok okay you know what we gotta we gotta find a way to monetize until then i'm i'm, I'm not satisfied with my presence there <laughs> castellanos has his arms crossed is just staring at the camera yeah. he's not staring at you he's not staring at me you know who he's staring at he's staring at motherfucking rob manfred that's who he's staring at <laughs> Rob Manfred. Rob Manfred doesn't care about this, though. You know that he's like just, he's calling different Oakland City Council members and 
threatening their children. But like, this strikes me as allegedly the kind of thing that's a joke. That he, this is parody. He's not actually yeah, doing seriously that. parody podcast. This strikes me as the kind of thing he would actually care like much more about. Like I, I don't actually think that Rob Manfred really cares if the A's are in Oakland or Las Vegas or Portland or Nashville or wherever. You know, I mean, he does, but he loves but the city he, of Oakland, Alex. That's true. He, he thinks it's a great baseball town. This strikes me as the kind of thing that would get under his skin way more than a letter from a city council person, right? Who, like, he doesn't even give a shit about because he's got six minions that he can send off to deal with that, right? But this is this is personal, man. This is, like, <laughs> dare I say, a, a, a threat? A the threat gauntlet was thrown. The gauntlet the was gauntlet definitely was thrown. thrown. Yeah. I like... I like Nick Castellanos. I've decided. Mm-hmm. That's it. I don't have a more sophisticated take about it. I just like him. I like his energy. I think he's a weird guy. He's like if Trevor Bauer wasn't toxic. Yeah. You know? <laughs> okay. Can I go next? Please. My second up this week is the start that Jacob DeGraw made at low A. Hell yeah. Uh, for, I believe, the poor St. Lucie Mets. Playing against the Palm Beach Cardinals in a rehab start. And he was throwing 102. He was doing what Jacob deGrom does as the best pitcher on the planet. And it was against low A minor leaguers, who many of whom are like 18 and have never seen anything even approximating this level of pitching uh, at any level of baseball in their lives. And our good friends, Jake and Jordan, wrote an article about this. Uh, Jake Minson, Jordan Schusterman. I believe that Jake got the byline, but. They won't be offended if I shout them both out Uh, (laughs) about this at Fox Sports talking to the guys that they faced on the Palm Beach Cardinals. There was some very funny tweets coming from the Palm Beach Cardinals Twitter account during like tweeting at the Mets being like, why would you do this to us? Why would you hang us out to dry like this? Please don't ever make us look at Jacob DeGrom ever again. And that was a lot of fun. But Jake talked to the the Palm Beach Cardinals and this is my favorite quote. from one of the players. We got a scouting report at 1 a.m. and it said DeGrom fastball 100 to 102, slider 94 to 95. So that was cool. I think most people on the team went on MLB the show and pitched with him and hit against him to see his pitches. That's really all you can do because he's pretty much a video game character. And when you go up there at the plate, that's pretty much how it works. <laughs> scouting Jacob DeGrom through MLB the show. That's kind of, that's kind of relatable. Yeah. Honestly, I this is the the most I have ever related to, I think, a baseball player, right? I also cannot hit Jacob DeGrom's fastball. So I can't even hit his fastball in the show. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm really bad at hitting in the show, by the way. We we don't need to talk about like my video game exploits, but if I'm hitting 280 with my creative player, I'm happy. Yeah. Oh, how's that BABIP though? That's <laughs> Like a running a 500 batting average on balls in play. No, my BABIP is low. I feel like I just line out all the time. <laughs> just constant line outs. You want to talk about on base percentage? Billy Bean hates my creative player. That's for sure. Yeah. He, oh, I'm sure. He does sure, not yeah. walk. He does not get on base. No, you're not up there to take pitches. It's a fucking video game. Of course, I'm not up there to work a walk. What? I don't even get to do anything after I work a walk. I try to steal <laughs> every time I get on base, by the way. Wow, that's great. I'm bringing about the change that I want to see in the world. 
Stolen bases up this year, by the way. We're, I know. We should talk about that at some point. I, Good we're not going to do Saris. it right now. Good article by Absolutely. Ian about that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll throw it in the description if you want to read it, even though we're not going to talk about it, because why not? I'll just say quickly, it's wild how analytics work when you actually make them... Like It's wild how analytics flip in your favor when you actually put a priority on making something making yourself good at something like the getting over the 75% threshold just involves thinking more actively about how you can be a better base stealer. Crazy. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's not like we've been saying that for four years that there are guys who can actually steal bases, but they've just been discouraged from doing it. MLB teams too worried about building luxury condos to think about how they can steal bases. Okay. What's next up for you? The, the, the final thing up for me this week is I, I suppose a, an amalgamation of Shohei Otani moments. There's like three different directions I could go in with this. Um, the man's good at baseball, first off. He's, I don't know if you've... He's unbelievable. ...seen this. He, I saw uh, it with my own two human eyes last night. That you did. I was sitting in the right field corner when he stretched that single into a double. He's like the fastest player in baseball, dude. <laughs> it's ridiculous. He's also the strongest player in baseball. Dude's biceps are... <laughs> he also throws 99. <laughs> I feel like I'm just a tweet right now, just like saying all the stuff that Otani does. Just, like, just saying, saying stats. Yeah. yeah. Just, leading, leading the AL in home runs. Uh, yeah. Very good at, at hitting and throwing a baseball, which I, I don't know. No one, no one else is. Um, also uh, did it, had a nice uh, modeling advertisement for Hugo Boss, just showing that he can also get a, a fit off. Yeah. Otani drip watch. Yeah. Look out. Uh, the one I want to talk about is, is the energy that we need to bring to Major League Baseball. And that is the Otani cam that they have in Japan. Hmm broadcasting angels games i kid you not this comes from uh from reddit user walang bangus sure okay in the top right corner of every single angels broadcast is a shot of shohei otani this is there is a camera on him at all times i'm not kidding when he is on the bench there's a camera on him man cannot pick his nose in peace this is cool it is cool. Remember I pitched this to you and Shakia in the gift draft that we should do this for Tatis? Yes, yeah. Japan way ahead of us. Japan, as always, way ahead of us on this shit. I'm jealous that I didn't know about Shohei Otani as long as like baseball fans in Japan got to know about him and watch God, him all throughout right? high school. Imagine watching like 18-year-old Shohei Otani. Just totally dominate. It's wonderful. I saw someone at the Angels game yesterday wearing uh, an, a Shohei Otani NPP jersey. And I was like, Damn. that's... That's some hipster, I, I real hipster, might real hipster shit. Yeah, I actually might yeah. have to cop too. Well, mm-hmm. I thought about, because on the way there, I was like, should I just buy an Otani jersey tonight? Right. Just walk into the Angel store, just like a real throwback when you actually went places to buy things and not just like mm-hmm. typed in your credit mm-hmm. card from memory in a, like a weird portal that you're not sure if it's safe. And we were walking past the team store and I was like, I'm not going to do it. Like, it's kind of a lot of money to drop right now, whatever. I just spent $50 on fries. And... Then I saw someone with the NPB one, and I was like, "I'm glad I didn't cop because maybe I should cop the NPB one." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I saw I people mean, holding up signs of Otani, being like, "My hero!" It's the one person a sign with a picture of Otani, and it said, "My hero." I, he's kind of my Anaheim. hero too. 
Man. The, Ana- the Anaheim fans are literally indifferent about every other thing with the team. Yeah. I had more yeah. people tell me good luck before the game started than say anything about the A's hat that I was wearing. A guy after mm-hmm. the A's won last night in a, in a not like entertaining game at all. He was like, great game. Congratulations. It's like, what is going on right now? <laughs> this just leads right yeah. into my third up, by the way, which is that yes. I just got to go to a Major League Baseball game. So we can just yeah. check that right off the list. I did it. It was weird. It was really cool. And it was great to see Otani. But I basically just shared everything that I wanted to share just there. Uh, so we've, we've really merged our ups this week. Hopefully our downs are a little bit more divergent. Uh yeah, but you know I, I will. While we're on the topic of Shohei Otani, can I can I present to you my first down? Sure. My first down this week is why first take on ESPN doesn't talk about baseball. Oh my god, tipping pitches is beefing with first take. We absolutely are. This Stephen A. Smith, man's come on. Come on here. Let's go. I'll go toe-to-toe with you on Shohei Otani. Please no, just... He would cook please us. Just, we don't, we're not I, ready for that. That's like we'd be the Palm Beach Cardinals facing Jacob <laughs> He would wipe the I, floor up and down with I us. I genuinely... I respect the hell out of Stephen A. Smith. I'd come out of there being like, Shohei Otani should be demoted. He... <laughs> he is like a... A true performer. I mean, the... Like, there is no one else like him on TV right now. And I really, I love him or hate him, but I, I respect the hell out of him. Yeah. But can you please play this clown ass take that he had Hit him. On, on Shohei Otani? You're going to tell your grandkids about this. Well, why don't you do me a favor then? Quit talking basketball and go talk baseball. Because I don't give a damn. Otani is nice and all of that stuff. I get it. It's special. It's special what I'm seeing so far. I mean, just stop the presses. He's got the 14 on runs. He's batting 271. Not 371. Not 471. He's batting 271. I understand he's a pitcher that can hit. He's a special generational kind of talent. I get it, Max. We haven't seen it. And you bring up Babe Ruth all you want to. All of this other stuff. They're in fourth place. I get it. I understand that. In the American League, West is about three teams ahead of them. They're five games under five. Old England had like Shakespeare plays, and we have that. Mm-hmm. We have Stephen A. Getting after it. Doubling down on everything that he says. <laughs> it's just not right. It's just not right. Like, there's no fact there. No. It's obviously the pathos of everything he says is overwhelming, and it's why he's like the highest paid sports analyst in the entire world in the history of the world. Yeah. But like, just, just no, no facts, just vibes. Yeah, just, just saying, wow, he's hitting two seventy, big whoop. That's a hashtag embrace debate, though. That's what that does. One person has to be that on the is, other side. You know who loves discourse? Stephen A. Smith. Yeah, right. Someone's got to. Someone has to advocate for the devil, right? I don't know if they do, though. I feel like the devil is... Having read the Bible, Alex. <laughs> Dude has enough shooters out there already. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he doesn't need anyone else on his team. The temptation of sin for every human being is out there advocating for the devil. Why does he need more people on his rhetorical argumentative side? Yeah. Stephen A. Smith, <laughs> go to an Angels game challenge. <laughs> uh, the Angels, I'd just like to let you in on a little secret that I learned yesterday. I heard the song um, Calling on Angels by Train legitimately 15 times yesterday. They play that song every half inning during Angels games. They play it when you're walking in, and they play it when you're walking out, whether you win or lose. They play it after 
take me out to the ball game. It's just calling on angels. They're <laughs> constantly calling on angels there. That's <laughs> it's weird to be bombarded with a train song that frequently that isn't Hey Soul Sister. Yeah, true. I don't even know that. Like, I don't know how that. No, you know it. Song goes off the top of my head. I mean, I'm sure it, I'd know it if I. But just like it will be the outro music for this podcast. God, I, there are there are so many other songs you could play. Play Halo by Beyonce. Yeah, do that. Play it seven times throughout the night, and I'll be happy. Couldn't clear the sample. Artie Moreno didn't want to shoot the lock off his wallet for that one. <laughs> Train was like, I'm "Yeah, sure. we'll take seventy three dollars." Okay, what is first sound for you this week? The fucking wave, dude. The wave. The wave. The, yes. the wave Back went on, on for a whole this like just I've been to one baseball game and I'm already reverting <laughs> back to like takes that I had in 2018. But they did the wave for an entire inning yesterday, Alex, while being shut out for nothing against Chris Bassett. They were like getting jacked up about doing the wave. It's just a crime against baseball fandom. I refuse to pass up any opportunity I have to make fun of fans doing the wave, especially while losing. I Do you think, okay, so here's a question. Do you think it's more acceptable to do the wave when you're winning or when you're losing? Because I feel like... Equally like unacceptable I'd rather see, in both scenarios. I mean, I agree. And I think especially if it's like a 4 nothing ball game, it's like, all right, guys, it, the game is not over. You said 4 nothing ball game, and my mind was like, Tom Brenneman, Tom Brenneman, Tom Brenneman, Tom Brenneman. <laughs> <laughs> We're poisoned like, forever. I, 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 I will never be caught doing the wave, but I also get why many casual baseball fans in like a 7-1 to ball game or something like that are like, fuck it, let me throw my hands up in the air because what else am I doing? I mean, I don't get it. But, like, I see why many people would be swayed to do that. Fans who do the wave when your team is winning, go go, go pull an A-Rod and walk out of the ballpark halfway through and sell, sell your, your ticket, ticket to someone, someone else. else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, well, first of all, in Anaheim, no one else wants to buy one. So you can't sell it to anybody. You might as well just stay. Right. Second of all. Yeah. Sorry to Angels fans listening to this podcast. I, we actually do have a few Angels fans who have said that they listen to this podcast. So sorry to those people. But I just want better for the kids that are there at the game. You know, I want them to understand that there's more to like about baseball than just standing up every once in a while, like standing up every 30 seconds. Everybody's like, oh, it's family fun, family friendly fun to do the wave. No, it's not. It's stupid. <laughs> yeah. That's nothing to do with the game. Not only does it have nothing to do with the game. It's inconvenient. Oh, I just have to stand up now? Yeah. What if I'm eating a hot dog? Yeah, right? What do I do with all this food on my lap? It's absurd. And it's a travesty. And if someone would like to make a pro-wave argument in our voice mailbox, the number is 785-422-5881. I challenge you. You know, you say that, but I don't know if I would allow that to be played. No, I'll play it. We'll Stephen A. Smith this one. (laughs) That's absolutely true. Okay, uh, second down for you. Second down for me this week, slightly less lighthearted, is that, um, you know, it's still a thing, is uh, is coronavirus. And uh, Major League Baseball players still getting it. Yeah, Seattle Mariners getting COVID. Not, uh, not get vaccinated. No vax, no shots, just vibes and, and coughs. Yeah. Yankees as well have had an outbreak among vaccinated players. And 
I, I don't say this to try and put a damper on anything, but it is just like a, a reminder of the fact that like this shit is still very real. Yeah. And we should, uh, I don't know, look out for each other. Like wear your mask still. If you're around a fuck ton of other people, cause look at that. You can still carry it. Not everyone's vaccinated guys. Let's just like, it's, it's easy. It is easy. Uh, not a lot of mask usage in the stands at baseball games. Let me tell you that. That's my boots on the ground reporting. Yeah, I uh, I don't imagine there there would be. I uh, we should maybe get Kyle and Victoria on this podcast to um, tell us about a full house Braves game. Yeah. How, what do you think masking looked like there? Yeah, I don't know. The seats at uh, the seats where I was sitting were still distanced, so that we had a couple rows of seats between us and the other people sitting. So well over six feet, and I'm I'm hoping. I'm at least assuming that a good majority of those people were vaccinated given that California went everybody eligible like about five weeks ago at this point. So, uh, but I did, I did think about it a lot. Like while I was there thinking about like, this is still kind of weird. This still feels a little weird. I felt comfortable enough having been fully vaccinated and um, trusting the science on that and being outside and wearing my mask anytime I was going to move around and be closer to other people. But it is still, an important thing to remember. And obviously we've gotten a couple stark reminders in the last week. Yeah. And, and there are still players out here, right. Being like, nah, it's a personal choice. Like if you follow the protocols, et cetera. And I really, I really would love to see, we talked about this last week, but I'd love to see the MLBPA stepping in like a little bit more here and saying, guys, shut the fuck up, get your shit together. This is like a <laughs> public health safety issue. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't have any more thoughts on that, but uh, just, you know, your weekly reminder. That's all this podcast was for an entire year. So you're welcome to just give that reminder whenever you'd like. If you just interrupt the segment, we now interrupt this segment to talk about how people are acting like coronavirus is over. Uh, <laughs> okay, my next thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it back to the ridiculousness of this segment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here in my notes, I have written Smash Mouth? Question <laughs> mark? And underneath that, another hyphen. Jared Carabas? Question mark? Oh, Jesus Christ. Just a mess of a situation where Smash Mouth decided that they wanted to, to simp for the unwritten rules of baseball. And then Jared Carabas, Barstool Bro, decided that he was going to defend your mean Mercedes, basically. And it's just a real mishmash in my brain of just a chaotic situation. Um, it's a down this week because the Smash Mouth Twitter account just holds way too much real estate on baseball Twitter. Yeah. Way too much. Every time they tweet something about baseball, everyone's like, smash mouth. And I'm just like, let me out. Let me out of the room. I'd like to mm-hmm. exit the premises. I'd like to pick up my belongings and move elsewhere to a society in a country where smash mouth cannot just share baseball takes at whim and force us to talk about them. Yeah. You can acknowledge that. They were a part of one of the greatest movie soundtracks in history, a, an while also part. an integral part of mid-2000s culture, while also acknowledging that their baseball takes suck ass, you know? <laughs> you know, like it's two things can be true at once. Listen, they weren't asked to write, they weren't asked to make a banger in I'm a Believer for Shrek because of their baseball opinions, okay? We can separate mm-hmm. those two things in our head. Art from the artist. 
<laughs> Big facts. But Smash Mouth, if you want to come on the pod, our line's open. No. No, it's I'll not. Let it happen. It's not. I'll nope. let it happen. All right. You're making yeah. a breakaway podcast? <laughs> Going solo. What would it be called? Don't think too tipping, hard about that. We tipping t- pitch. We took <laughs> solo. <laughs> Tipped pitch. <laughs> <laughs> We've thought long enough about it how to name this show. And then we named it something that that if you just search it in Google, you can't find our show because it just <laughs> brings up a glossary of what tipping pitches is in baseball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tough beat for us. Didn't didn't think our SEO through. And we should have, you know, we should have because I was working as an SEO headline writer at the time. So <laughs> like really what the hell was I doing? But it's okay, we're too far removed. We're we we're in too deep. What's your final okay. your final down? My final down this week is um comes courtesy of one Dave Martinez of the Washington Nationals, who uh, had a had a glorious temper tantrum on the field this past week, which is is not my down per se, but it provides context for my down. Um, I, the the story is that Trey Turner was at bat, he swung and missed on a on a strike three, but there was a pass ball, so he ran to first. The catcher retrieved the ball, threw the ball down. Um, the ball hit Turner while he was in, while he was running to first in the base path. Uh, wiffle ball and, rules, he's out. Yeah, wiffle ball. But, well, and baseball rules, he was also out um, because the ball hit him and he was in the, the, the base path. Really just one of these bizarre baseball rules where like what, I, what else was he supposed to do? You know, like he was running, his back was to the ball. Is he supposed to just like jump? jump? I don't know. Anyway, he was he was called as you know it, it was interference or whatever the fuck, and he was called out. Dave Martinez took umbrage to this, sprinted out onto the field, and had a had a nice little uh, had a nice little time out there at first base, kicking the base, nice. pointing at the base, screaming at the umpire, picking up the base, and and giving it a little a little toss. What did the base was, do? You know, what did that base ever do to you? It was just existing out there. I know, right? Now, I I, I took issue with his form a little bit. Uh, he It took him kind of a while to get the base out of the, out of the like, little base <laughs> holder. People don't realize. <laughs> those things are really in there, you know? <laughs> They're re- really in there. I mean, you understand why, right? Like, they have grown men are kicking them. Crews that are there to take those things in and out. Like, it's not just, like, Little League where you, it just pops out every time someone slides. Right. No. I mean, there's there's a form to it, and I feel like Martinez probably should have, should maybe have consulted with a groundskeeper before attempting to just rashly pull the base out, you know? Because he was, like, doing a lot of pulling, and everyone knows you gotta, you got to do a, a little jiggle first. Yeah. Yeah, a twist yeah. that dislodges it, and then you get the pull. Um Anyway, my my down this week is mostly that we don't have more of these anymore. Yeah. Everybody is too much of a coward. You too, know? Too much of a coward. Oh, you won't throw the rosin bag? Coward. Yeah. Oh, you want everybody just kicks dirt on home plate. That that's the go-to. And I'm like, that's you so realize that tired. they already have a piece of equipment to get the dirt off home plate. So you're literally just asking them to do something that they do 25 times a game. Mm-hmm. Do something better. Yeah, here's an unwritten rule I'd like to see. I want to get man. I want to see managers getting more creative with their uh, ejections. You know, I mean, it could be verbal, right? We could have some Terry Collins representation in here. 
It could be a physical act, like tossing the base, like you mentioned, the rosin bag. Could be something entirely different. I have something better. Maybe you run out to center field and just sit down. Yeah, what are they going to do? Fucking do arrest you? (laughs) (laughs) And you're saying to the guy, "What are you going to fucking do?" (laughs) No, I have something. Okay, steal the umpire's hat. (laughs) There you go. Those guys' hairline is not looking good. I bet. Mm-hmm. If you take a hat off an umpire, that's a life-changing event for that umpire. And they're going to think twice before they call out Trey Turner for running in the baseline in the way of throw. <laughs> they are. It's just a fact. If a manager does this, he will immediately be inducted into the Tipping Pitches Hall of Fame alongside nobody. We have to create yeah. that still. But I mean, that's, a, that's exclusive club. You'd be the first one in there. That's It's true disrespect, right? Like taking Taking someone's hat? That's that's big. Uh, uh, I just, you want to take a hard left turn? Jake Jake Paul heard of the guy stole Floyd Mayweather's hat. Yeah, in advance of their fight, it uh, Floyd Mayweather How literally threatened to kill the man. Okay. How certain are you that that was Jake and not Logan? I, I'm I, I'm not. <laughs> They're one person in in my head. They're both boxing. It's so hard to keep them straight. <laughs> um. <laughs> No, I think that somebody should steal an umpire's hat. I, however, do think that they might get fined like a million dollars and suspended for like <laughs> yes, 30 <I> games. <laughs> can you imagine like, oh God, can you imagine what the umpire's union would tweet? Oh my God. They should just do it for that, actually. I, Someone, once again, we need a sacrificial lamb out here. Tony LaRusa. Dusty Baker. Do it, do it for us. Dusty Baker. No ump is stepping to Dusty Baker. That dude is big, and that dude has been through a long life of baseball Facts. shit. So, like, yeah. no one is going to step to him. What, Tom Hallian? Yeah. What are you going to do, bro? <laughs> what are you going to do? Yeah. It has to be someone like that, because there are some ripped umpires out there that I would not want to take their hats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, you got to pick your target wisely. Okay. I'm glad this was this was fruitful. Uh, yeah. Okay. Give us, give us your last down, because, you know, as always gone a little long. I don't even care at this we point. Get out of here. I don't even care at this point. Our listeners have okay, given us either. Our listeners don't the care green either. light to go as long as we want. My final down this week is that uh, I've made two very concerted efforts to go see Mike Trout play baseball. Now two straight times he has been injured for those, those efforts. <sighs> so last time I went to that an Angels sucks. game was the summer of 2019 and he missed like two weeks I think with a Maybe he turned his ankle or something like that, or maybe he hurt a, a, a pinky. I don't really know. A wrist, something to that effect. And then this time, obviously, he's out for an extended period of time. I believe six to eight weeks with a calf strain. That's just a that's just a bummer, man. Because every time you go down to Anaheim from Los Angeles, I don't know if people know. You want to do a quick I five, some quick I five chat. You hop on the the one on one. You hop on the five. For all of my California people out there, it sucks getting down there. It's like 75 minutes to go 30 miles. And I don't get to do it that often. So I'd like to see Mike fucking Trout, the greatest baseball player of all time when I do. And it's now two straight times that I haven't gotten to see him. This is just a personal problem for me that I'm bringing to this podcast that I have here because it's the only outlet for it. Mike Trout getting injured is like, I don't know, a a bottom five thing, like baseball related thing to happen in baseball. I feel like every every year or or two, right? It happens. He's out for a couple weeks. This is, you know, six to eight weeks, which is like 
The, yeah, right. Like among the longest of his career, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, the only uh, time he, he broke his hand or his wrist or something sliding into a base, and then he decided to stop stealing bases after that. Right, which sucked. It did suck. Also Because he's so good at stealing. Uh, no, it's like, it feels like a crime against the art of baseball, you know? It'd be like, like if you like, walked we up just, to like, Da Vinci. Pause the season, yeah, if you like you know? walked up to Da Vinci and just broke both his hands, like it's wrong. It's wrong. Right. No one else is allowed to paint until Da Vinci can paint. Exactly. Again. No one else is allowed to play baseball until we figure <laughs> out what's going on with Mike Trout's calf. <laughs> Everybody stop. It's true. I'm fine. I'm fine to be playing baseball into November if that's what this means. But the worst part of this, yeah, time is not real. The worst part of this is that I forgot that he was out because the Angels have been such hot trash for the last two weeks. Other than Otani home runs and at-bats and the Otani cam that Japan has revolutionized, there's no reason to watch Angels games at all. So cognitive dissonantly, I had forgotten that Trout wasn't going to be playing until actually when I was pulling in and giving my credit card over to pay for parking, I remembered that Trout wasn't going to be playing because I was like, oh, I wonder what the lineup is like today. And then I remembered that Trout was not going to be in it. So I was already in the parking lot. Like I couldn't even bail on the game at that point. (laughs) Yeah, not that I would have failed on the game. I was happy to be there. Had you I, so you had purchased these tickets a while ago? Yeah, right? before I, think his I, rem- I remember you saying this on the podcast. Yeah, so it's not. This isn't even like a like a like a you problem. This is just the universe. I don't know. You did something to piss him off. Yeah, maybe the it's last the fact time that you're I bought a tickets, Dodgers hat right now. Well, yeah, it might have something to do with the fact that when I moved out here, I just got a Dodgers hat for the fashion and not an Angels hat also for the fashion. I like the Angels hats though. Maybe I'll get one. You got to get like a like a California Angels yeah, the hat. CA those logo. things, yeah. those things are tight. Yeah, that's cool. If I wear that and my Otani NPB hat, people will know that I'm cool. People will be like, they'll see me on the street, be like, that guy, he's yeah. cool. He is cool. He may host a moderately successful lefty baseball podcast called Tipping Pitches. And they'll come up to you and say, "Go Angels," and you'll say, "No, I'm actually a Mets fan. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry, dude." And they'll be like, "But like maybe like a West Coast team," and I'll be like, "No, actually, that's the A's for me." <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's it for me for this week, Alex. I think that's it for everything for this week, right? That is it for everything this week. And uh not a moment too soon. <laughs> Alex has run out of stuff to say. <laughs> Thank you for listening uh to this week's episode of Tipping Pitches. Thank you for your patience and waiting for another episode. I know it's been longer than our usual weekly cadence. Um, but you know, life happens. We still stuck to our one per week. We just had it on a little bit of an off off schedule. We skipped a start. <laughs> right. Ex- exactly. That's We had our start pushed back a couple days. In the end, we're still making 30 starts this year. The shoulder fatigue is back. Mm-hmm. We're bounced back from the shoulder fatigue. Um, anything else to leave the people with, Alex? TippingPitchesPod at gmail.com. Tipping underscore pitches on Twitter. 785-422-5881 call into our voicemail segment and we will answer you and buy some merch that's all i got yep i think that covers it uh thanks for listening everyone and we will be back next week Uh, I'm Alex Rodriguez. Tipping pitches. 
This is the one that I love the most. So we'll see you next week. See ya!